Hey guys, this is Ryan with Torsion Talk Podcast. I want to thank you guys for checking in with us. Uh, this is our off the track episode. Again, this is our second one, but you'll notice some differences. Adrian's not at the table. Um, it's been a little bit of a scramble this morning trying to get everything set up uh, so that we can make this happen. So uh, forgive us for some technical difficulties. We've got some things to figure out on our end for sure. Uh, but Things are going smooth as can be, and uh, we're ready to rock and roll. So before we get started, I want to give a shout-out to one of our sponsors, Surewinder. Uh, if you guys are tired of winding springs and your shoulders hurt, definitely go with Surewinder. Surewinder is a tool that you can purchase. They'll ship it in a beautiful little box or package uh, that allows you to store it when you're done, and you use a cordless drill and uh, wind your springs for you. It's not only safe, but it's convenient, easy, and once you get the hang of it, it's super quick. So make sure you check out Surewinder. And next time, we're going to hopefully have all of the ads put in for us so you guys don't have to hear me talk about it. Uh, and then don't forget, we are a marketing company, so uh, we can do some marketing for you guys if you're looking for a website, SEO, pay-per-click, whatever you need. We got your back. Um, got Josh with me again today. How are you, Josh? Good. How's it going, everybody? So one of the, uh, some, I'm big on feedback. So, uh, I didn't poll a bunch of people, but I did, I did call a few folks and asked, um, a couple questions and we, um, some of the feedback that I got was people wanted to hear more from you, Josh. Surprising enough. Yeah. (laughs) I told them that you're kind of a quiet guy and they disagreed with me. They said that I'm just talk too much. So <laughs> I'm going to do my best uh, to give you the opportunity to share your input. You can totally interrupt me anytime, bro. All right. I'm cool with it. So um, I want to give an experience uh, to our audience that allows us to um, help them grow and learn. And you've got a lot of experience and expertise. So uh, please feel free to share that. I'm going to share this on the deplorables group real quick. Um, See if anybody from there wants to jump in. I got a couple updates on things that I want to hit before we get into some conversation. Um, So there's been a couple articles in magazines and things come out recently that I think are really intriguing. And so I want to share some of that with you. There's a Steve Lynch uh, door and access system magazine. They did, uh, Vicky did a really good write up on reflections on the decade, looking back with Steve Lynch. And, uh, he talks a little bit about some of the evolution of the, uh, door business and, uh, the industry. And, um, I think it's very intriguing. I would highly recommend you guys check that out for me. I think what I'm most excited about is, um, the manufacturers are starting to evolve as far as the products that they're creating. I'm really bored with short panel raised white garage doors. So the more exotic doors can get, I think the better. I'm really excited about the stamp steel doors and, and the, the customization that companies are coming out with. You got Amar uh, with the three panel uh, Classico, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, love the accent series from CHI and um, Horman builds a really nice aluminum door. Um, I mean, it, I can go on and on for days, but uh, I like different. And I think that it's advantageous of all the manufacturers to continue to try to build product that separate themselves that's unique to them. It may not be like a huge volume uh, player, but in the grand scheme of things, I think it's um, beneficial to them. So uh, definitely beneficial to the customer. I think it gives us more tools in our tool bag. On the commercial side, because that's your experience, what do you see and what have you seen over the last decade uh, when it comes to commercial changes and evolution? Their big thing is going to be the high speed and the parking style doors. Like they're advancing by leaps and bounds. Like it's insane. And I love it because that even when they do fail, I love the diagnosing side. And I think it's a great skill to have. Anybody should have it if you're messing around with residential or I'm sorry, commercial just because it's going to continue to evolve. If you don't, yeah. you've got to get your hands dirty with VFDs and things like that. Um, but even like their, their 
direct drive motors, they're continuing to advance them, uh, which I think is great because I feel like in the commercial world, they, they listen a little bit better. You can tell them, look, I don't like this. This is failing. This needs to be fixed. My customers are leaving me because of this. They don't yeah. want your product. And they're, people are listening. These manufacturers That's are listening. Good. I know on my end they are. Do you have a preference of high-speed door? I'm not trying to put you on the spot, <laughs> but do you have one that you like better than the others? T&R and Horman. T&R and Horman? Yeah. yeah. Which, I've heard good things about both. Yeah, that'd be my favorite. Um, th- where they lack, some others do. There's not a perfect prevail, door out there. But, yeah. But Resi, too, right? Yeah. I mean, I tell people all the time, you got everybody builds a crap door. And everybody builds a good door. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And which manufacturer, I think, does which one better and what you're looking for. Yeah. I mean, if you want to sell crap doors, you can go to any manufacturer, and they all pump out crap doors. Some are better at pumping out crap doors <laughs> than others. And then, you know, you got other manufacturers who are focused on selling three-layer doors. Uh, yeah. I mean, you I, can go to anybody and get that that lower – I mean – it's the lower price point is what yeah. gets them out there on the market. I mean, it's but you got to have it. If you're manufacturing doors, you, you really got to have that. But I found it interesting how Rainer takes a, a kind of a different approach. I mean, they're really, they'll tell you straight up. They don't want to sell Pandors, which is very yeah. interesting. I guess probably low margin, whatever, but they really push their urethane doors and they got a good one. Um, so I guess if you do something right and you do it well, stick with it. Might and as well push, push that. Yeah. Um, So shifting gears a little bit, speaking of evolution of the industry, I think, and I don't know if it was covered in here. I know he talks about some uh, technology and stuff, but Facebook groups were highlighted as well by Vicki Jones. She's killing it with the articles. Good job, Vicki. So uh, highlight some of the garage door groups. I mean, this has been one of the best things for me being new to the garage door industry five years ago, um, being able to jump on a group and see other people's questions and answers. And, uh, you know, what I find interesting is I don't think there is one answer to everything, even though like some of these guys will straight up argue about it. Um, I like seeing the different perspectives because it gives me perspective and I might want to do it differently than, than both of those people or all five of them. Right or wrong, right? I mean, it's good to try new things. Um, so I really enjoy being part of these groups. I think it's um, beneficial to the entire industry. I mean, it looks here like you got the North America Garage Door Installers, 5,000 people at the time of this article. Garage Door Techs, 4,700. Garage Doors United, 1,600. And then the Deplorables, 2,600. Um, these groups are not brand new, dude. Like, I was kind of shocked, like, uh, garage door installers in North America started in January 2015. I didn't realize they. I didn't either. Uh, and then you got Garage Door Techs 2015. Garage Door Techs United was started in March of 2017, and then the Deplorable started in 2017. So, uh, great article. I suggest you guys check that out. I printed it off uh, just for the convenience of doing this, and I didn't have the paper uh, or the magazine. Um, I got a question. Well, I didn't get a question. There was a question on Facebook today and uh, about how many garage door dealers there are in the country. And just so happened, one of my favorite um, authors or uh, writers, Tom Wadsworth, just addressed this and uh, the features uh, article on door and access systems. Guys, I totally recommend. If you guys don't read any other articles, this one is money. He is killer at writing. Um, not only is he good at writing, he's just an in, like he's like an investigator. Like this dude is like the master researcher. I've got so much respect for for Tom and his skill and his trade um, and what he's done for the garage door industry. Um, I think I I think he came up with the number just under like eleven thousand dealers nationwide. But he goes even further than that. Like he he actually shows. I don't know if you guys can see this or not. Do you have the camera on where people can see it? Um, so he's even got like uh, the states. Um, I don't know if you guys can see that. Hope it's not too obnoxious by us showing you that. Um, obviously, California was number one. I think that's just by default by how many people live there. Population rank is number one. 40, uh, 40 million people. Um, 
854 dealers, but what he did was he, he created a column that's population by dealer, which I thought was genius. And he basically tells everybody, everybody should move to Florida and start a garage door <laughs> company. Um, it's hot. So if you're going there, uh, just be, hopefully you're not, you don't love cold and ice. Uh, because if you're going to Florida, it's hot, like 10, 11 months out of the year. I just got back from Disney, y'all. I don't know if you guys have been to Disney lately. It is, people ask me, like, how how was it? And I'm like, magical. Yeah. Like, I'm still a kid. I yeah. love it. That, that um, place will turn you into a kid, whether you like yeah. it or not. Roller coasters. I mean, it's good to just cut loose and have fun. Um, and I love watching my kids' face when they're deathly afraid of something. It's probably one of my <laughs> favorite things, so it's good. I'd like to add on his articles, too. One thing I like about his, it's so many things – Nowadays, they're biased and opinion. Oh, he's, he's tells full it of exactly facts. how it is. He's full of facts. He's so like, factual. Yeah. And, and that's the only reason he's probably still writing because he's <laughs> been sued so many times. If you guys have caught <laughs> the interview I did with him in season one, he was my very first interview. I wanted to interview him so bad that I, I wanted to have him on first. Um, but he, um, he admitted he's been sued multiple times, but because he does a good job of documenting everything and being factual and letting the facts tell the truth yeah. that uh, that he escapes a lot of that. So um, anyway, I, high saturation in the Midwest. You guys in the Midwest don't need to know that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you're already very familiar. One state that I did, I was very surprised uh, wasn't on here for high saturation was Georgia. Um, if we're not in the top ten, Man. I feel sorry for the top five because yeah. it's brutal here. Um, just with competition, the amount of dealers. Um, so uh, Florida continues to grow by population rapidly. The population is up 13.3% since 2010 as the third fastest growing state. Um, I mean, he just goes on to talk about the state that surprised him the most was Washington, um, 14th highest number of garage door companies in the nation, but now has jumped to number nine. Uh, that the the 14th was in 2003. So he talks about some of the states that are growing really fast. Anyway, check it out. I don't want to beat a dead horse. Um, so we're going to shift gears a little bit. I actually just got the uh, Door and Operator magazine. I don't know if you guys got this, but highly recommend you guys subscribe to it. Um, we, uh, we're going to be at the IDA Expo, which is a major topic of what's going on in this magazine. These guys are obviously affiliated. Um, so we're at booth 3355. I've got an online sign-up sheet for anyone who would like to uh, be able to uh, be interviewed on the podcast. We would be honored. I think we've got like we got like 10 spots, maybe more. I don't know. We might be able to fit in some more, but I've got an online sign-up for them. We're going to be releasing here in the next few days. You can go on, choose a spot, and and sign up to be interviewed. They're going to be like 20, 30 minute interviews, and then we're going to take a small break and take some photos and then do another interview. So if you'd like to do that, we'll be releasing that soon. Like our Facebook page because we're going to post it there. Uh, we get in on Sunday night. That'll be the first, and we're staying in an Airbnb. Adrian, you ready for that? So Tisha, uh, so that's the topic, right? Like I'm trying to figure out, I've already got back pain right now and uh, I'm a little bit out of shape, which I'm about to start working out. Uh, thanks to Josh. Thank you, Josh. Um, so uh, I got to get back in shape. I'm determined. I'm down uh, 20 pounds right now, which is freaking awesome. But I got up to 255. I'm down to 235 right now. And I need to get down to probably 220, 225. And then I'm start walking out outside with my shirt off at that point. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, Door and Operator Magazine, a couple articles I want to highlight in here that I think are super important. Uh, I know it's probably boring, but I strongly suggest you guys check out the antitrust article. Um, there's a lot of this going on in our industry right now, and um, you guys got to be careful. Uh, coordinating pricing, uh, monopolizing. I think there's a lot of stuff in this article that people can get caught off guard and uh, not knowing and doing it will probably make you feel worse when you get caught or if you get caught. So um, please 
please, please read that. I think it's super important, not only in, in the aspect of you doing it, but how to protect yourself as well, because there are some uh, companies out there that I think are violating um, uh, the antitrust. So uh, check that out. They did a beautiful article on April Sargent. Um, first of all, I just want to give a shout out. She's amazing. I love the women in our industry. Like yeah. women to just throw down, put on a tool belt and go put some doors up or the ones that hold the office down for all of our crazy techs and freaking owners out there. You guys don't get enough credit. Yeah. So I just want to give a shout out to the ladies in the industry. April, you're amazing. Uh, by the way, I read this the article. Your dad sounds like an amazing father. Sorry you lost him, but it sounds like he raised you right and uh, and left a great legacy for you. Uh, just want to give you a shout-out. Good job um, doing what you're doing out there. Keep up the good work. Uh, the other article, Connecting Pay to Performance article, I skimmed through that, um, but I'm a big believer in paying for performance. I, I think everybody should be bought in. I know there's different opinions on that, but we can expand if you guys have questions. Um, Kyle Hart was interviewed, but it was a lot of same questions and content um, that we spoke about with him on our podcast here. So uh, you can read it if you want. Um, YPN, uh, cool group to be involved in. I kind of snuck in there. <laughs> it's young uh, professional network, I think. Uh, anyway, Young is attractive, so I tried to be a part, and so I snuck in. Of course, I'm 40. I act 20 sometimes, so um, I, I jumped in. Uh, they invited me with open arms, and uh, I went to, a, like, a little YPN party last IDA, and I would just strongly, like, advise you guys get involved in that. If nothing else, make you feel young again, right? <laughs> I mean, just because of the name, they've, re they've released the, uh, the age restriction, so now anybody can, they probably should change the name, but I kind of like it because it makes me feel young. Um, so that's it. Um, that's all the little highlights and information that I wanted to go over with you guys. So we're going to talk a little bit to Josh. And then if you guys have questions, um, I would love to hear you guys ask any questions that you guys um, have for either Josh, myself. We had uh, Matt Weber on. What you got? Oh, are we at a spot for good ads? Boom. All right. Well, we got to stop for just a second. Let me just tell you guys about Somer. I know I've never mentioned this before, and and Roman actually told me he doesn't think he ever, like, uses this as a selling feature. I mentioned it last week, I think. But uh, adjusting, like, you don't have to adjust your angle iron. So uh, because the, the brace for the angle iron is adjustable on the rail. You can just slide it where you need it and do your drops. Freaking genius. Genius. So it's not on the head. It's actually on the rail and it's adjustable. So you can, um, you can just mount it however you want. Um, anyway, I, we've been installing them. We've been buying, buying them up like crazy lately. Uh, I've been a huge fan of the product. My guys are bought in. They love it. They're now saying that it's easier to put together than the LiftMaster, and things are going great. So uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan, and uh, we're going to keep plugging away. I know you did some research and met with Roman. What would you think? I, I love him. And then having, the day he was here, literally we had guys needing to cut them down. And when you're used to cutting down screwdrivers and things like that, no, they, they blow that out of the water. Yeah. It's super simple. I mean, it, it's it's – more or less idiot proof, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. I, mean, it, I heard he just ran out into the field, went to the customer's house and showed him. Yeah, yeah, he was running a little bit behind. And I was like, oh, man, I got to go. I said, but we've got two guys in the field that need to cut down one. You want to go he get was just hand? like, I'll take he's care like, of it. He's like, dude, send me the address. That's so, awesome. How much, many reps you know that's going to do that? Show up at your customer's house to yeah, help you. Yeah, that was awesome. He's amazing. Appreciate that, Roman. Yeah, Huge shout out, Roman. Thank you for all you do to support your product and and, uh, and our business. And then um, Service Titan. I just got an announcement. Service Titan's partnered with Clope on some stuff. Um, I filled out the form to um, kind of, I guess, learn more. Uh, I haven't heard anything back. I assume they probably got bombarded. But uh, I don't have any information on that yet. I know there's some people out there that do. If you've got information, post it in the comments here on Torsion Talk Podcast. 
live on Facebook and uh, and we'll we'll bring that up. But I'm not too familiar with the integration and what all's involved. I would hope it's price book and pricing. I mean, because that's the most difficult part of our software is keeping up with all the new products and making sure we're adding everything and setting it up properly and having the right pricing. So uh, I would love to just be able to flip a button and sure. say, I want my margin to be this on doors, and it just throws it out there. Uh, that would be great. I don't know if that's what it is, but I would like that to be the case. How's What's been your experience with Service Titan so far? It's been a awesome. You can tell the truth, too. No, no, I've liked sponsors, it. but I told them all our sponsors. <laughs> we're going to tell the truth exactly how it is. My thing is, I'll give anybody props that we use that we can just pick up the phone and call and be like, "Dude, this sucks. Fix it. All right, let me do it real quick." And yeah. he does it while you're on the phone. CJ's um, amazing, by the way. I just want to give a shout out to CJ at uh, Service Titan. He's kind of been assigned to our account, and uh, he's like another Roman. Yeah, like just knows his stuff, can get it taken care of, knock it out, and he's on his game. So love you, CJ. You rock. Uh, all right. So what has been your experience so far as the general manager? It's been a little crazy. It, it, it's been crazy is an understatement. The transition's uh, been a little bit difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you – Coming from running a bunch of job sites is one thing, but when you put everything as far as the background into that, that's a whole nother story. I mean, yeah. you can you can run a job site all day long, like, right. and some people think that's hard. Now, when you move up into this role, running a job site look like you could have done that at ten years old now. Right. Uh, it's been a heck of a transition, but it's exactly what I was wanting, so I'm getting exactly yeah. what I wanted. Whether whether I like it or not, it's what yeah. I want to do. Um, I, can't I was afraid it would scare you away. No, no. Most people probably would have. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I had that switch turned on, and I'm not turning it off. It's exactly what I asked for. I'm running with it. Well, I think you're so. doing a phenomenal job, and um, I know that you just kind of stepped in, and we did a little bit of training, and then you just took off. <laughs> and uh, the way that you've been able to get the guys to rally around you and respect you so quickly uh, I know some of them knew you before and others didn't, but um, amazing job, dude. That, that that was my biggest concern coming in the door. Of course, you want everybody to like you, but at the yeah. same time, they're not going to support you. They're not going to back you. And if you don't have your team backing you, you're, you might as well not be here. Yeah, and, and I think I helped out with that with pretty much uh, pissing some people off. <laughs> so uh, it, it's, it's easy to like the new guy when the old guy is yeah. getting frustrated. So. <laughs> Uh, I, I totally understand. As a business owner or a manager, it's um, on the flip side. I don't think people realize that we're human. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And um, We're not allowed to make mistakes. We're not allowed. Yeah. And when we do, um, you know, we get blasted. Mm-hmm. And um, you really find yourself in a position where you don't have a voice sometimes. Because if you speak against it, you're a bully because you're a big company or whatever. And if you don't, then people have this perception of you like you're this way or that way. Yeah. And so um, I, I that's my most difficult thing of being a business owner is um, I am always, I have been always willing to confront my issues yeah. um, and always have confronted my issues. And um, I think that, a lot of people uh, aren't willing to give me a chance to confront my issues. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when you get into positions of management, you see a lot of ugly. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the ugly. <laughs> um, when I got put into ministry as a fairly new Christian in my early 20s, uh, I saw and heard things uh, that now appreciate. I didn't know if they were real or not but I totally passed judgment, yeah. you know, um, about leadership, uh, people in leadership. And, uh, you know, the church, and not to get all religious on everybody, but everybody, I, I'm correlating the fact that pastors stand up on stage and have a very public conversation 
and people point and judge every word that comes out of his mouth. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And then he's got to go home and live with the fact that he's probably getting emails talking about everything he said wrong, yeah. which I know happens because yep. my pastor's told me it's <laughs> happened to him. Um, and so I think as a business owner, you're probably not as much that far being criticized, but you're definitely close yeah. uh, because all of your actions – especially with me because I'm so open and transparent with everybody. Um, I think that it's just uh, it's one of those things where it's really hard being a human being yeah. and a business owner uh, and trying to find that balance between making good decisions for your business and also um, taking care of your people. And, uh, and taking care of my people has always been my number one thing, but uh, there's times where you can't do everything for everybody. Yeah. And, uh, and that sucks. It really does. Um, so what's been the most difficult part of the transition for you into the general manager role? On, I guess that's just the, the relationship with the employees. You've got to coming from just out there working with them every day, being their buddy, hanging out after work. And that's all you talk about. You got to draw that line in the sand but at the same time, I want everybody to know I'm still here for them, off right. the record, on the record. But you also got to have that management mentality also. Right. You got to make sure where you're not just hanging out with them all the time. These guys are money makers. That, that, that's why they're here, yeah. to do their job. Uh, you can't let them drift too far away from the responsibilities. Right. Even though as a friend you want to, you, you got to have that line where you're like, okay, we got to get back to work now. We got to. Yeah, I think good point. And you're bringing up something that I feel like um, I've talked to you about is because I started the marketing company and the podcast and put a lot of time and effort into that. Some of my attention that went into the details of Aaron overhead doors was not there. And I think when you do that, it's kind of like the substitute teacher. I used to give the substitute teacher the hardest time not trying to be rude or mean, right? I just knew she was here one day and gone the next. I might be able to get away with a little more. Um, and so when the guys feel that the leader's not focused 100%, guess what? Yep. They're not focused 100%. And so I truly believe that if you're if you're unable to give 100%, you probably need to be looking for a general manager or some type of manager to, to do that. Um but we've got one of the best teams in the world. I'm convinced. I love our team. Um, but people, our team, appreciate structure and organization and focus yeah. and uh, accountability. They appreciate it. They thrive in it. And when that starts to go away and we're not paying attention to the details, it starts fading again. Yeah. And then people start getting disgruntled and frustrated, right? So uh, I believe children, even like I notice with my kids, my kids thrive when they like when they clean their room and the room's all organized and everything's got this place. And all of a sudden they want to spend time in their room and they're reading and doing things like instead of being on their phones or iPads or whatever. It's just a different thing. Right. So when you're when you're when you have that structure and organization in your life, things just tend to, to roll smoother. Yep. So, um, yeah, and without that structure. I think it's proven itself without that structure, your customer service will actually start to dwindle. Correct. You've got to have that structure because the customer service feeds off of that. Right. You're not going to have excellent customer service if in the background you don't have that structure. 100%. So. I agree. Anything that uh, that you want to ask or address on today's episode that I haven't already asked? No, I'd like to see – See more questions come in as far as some of the things, some of the topics. Let's see if we um, can ask. I know one thing, one of your biggest issues is growing a company. You want to bring in the top talent and say we get to a spot. You get to a spot where you can afford the top talent, but it's convincing them that this is the team to be on. Yeah. Growing a small business, that's pretty, that shows to be pretty hard because they want to see that, that, that long-term Right. And businesses that are two to five, six years old, they're almost iffy to do it. Right. That, whether their job would be better, easier, more structured, pay better, whatever, everybody still holds back. 
when it's that smaller company growing because they don't they're not set as deep into the stone as as the big guys right so that that's one thing and then you got to be careful too right like i think sometimes i get caught up i've always said that i'm going to hire culture over talent yeah and that's been a thing for me um and there's been a couple instances where i probably bent that rule and it's bit me in the ass like bad so I'm focused on trying to renew, like go back to the basics, like what, what works the best every single time. And that is hiring people who want to be here, who enjoy their job, who love doing what we do and enjoy hanging out with you and, you know, growing the business, being part of something. My favorite thing about being like, I don't like big companies, um, mainly because, um, I struggle being um, like having a singular focus. Not very good at it. Short amounts of time I am. But if you were to say, Ryan, go be a garage door installer, I would be your worst garage door installer ever because sitting in a garage for four hours working would drive me insane. Yeah, I'm. That's not how I'm programmed. Cannot do it. I would lose my mind. Once every once in a while, not a big deal. Every day, I'm not wired that way. I like to do marketing on Monday, podcast on Tuesday, door sales on Wednesday. You know what I'm saying? like that, That's me. I enjoy that. I'm very good at balancing multiple things, but at some point, sometimes I take on too much. So I'm trying to pull back from that now. We just had that conversation uh, where I kind of overcommit. Um, but... Strongly suggest protecting your culture. I think that's super important, um, especially, uh, you know, you're, you're given opportunities to hire people who are extremely talented but may not fit the culture. Not that they're a bad person. Yeah. They just don't fit the culture of what you're trying to do. And when you bring in people that uh, change the dynamic of the culture, eventually you lose the personality of the team and then um, it goes sideways. So. Yeah, if you just hire because you're busy, you're kissing your culture goodbye. Yeah, and and like I listen to Gary Vee sometimes. He talks about hire fast, fail fast. Like, but for me, I, I don't I don't agree with that. Maybe at his scale where he's like a yeah. twenty million dollar, fifty million dollar agency, right? But for me, like every hire is critical because of how small we are. Yeah. So if I hire the wrong person, it can be devastating to everybody. Um, in the hiring process, like we've, we've actually figured out how much it costs for us to bring somebody on. It's expensive. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, buying the truck, getting the rack, the tools, all the parts, loading it up. So, you know, we tried to figure out how much it costs to create, um, the, uh, technician to bring a technician on board and how much it costs to bring an installer on board. If you're replacing someone, it's not as expensive, but it's still expensive. Yeah. Um, and then if you have somebody who eventually says, you know what, uh, I don't want to be here, then you have, you're short on your team and you're scrambling around and it puts pressure on everybody. Mm-hmm. So um, that balancing act of hiring is, I'm a believer, I told you, I'm a believer, you should be interviewing year round for every yeah. position. Yeah. Assume everybody's leaving. Um, I know that sucks. Like that's a horrible outlook, right? Because you want your team to stay, but as a business owner, the only way you can protect yourself. And I tell people all the time, this isn't a marriage. It's not, if you have a better opportunity and you don't want to be here, I'm okay. Absolutely. Like we'll figure it out. Um, and we always have, we've been blessed. Um, but I think as a business owner, it's our responsibility to be prepared or as a general manager is to be prepared, have people in the pipeline, be recruiting people. We talked about that last, uh, last time you were on the show. Um, so I think it's super important. Uh, we got a question from Greg. How do you deal with the struggling laborers in our industry? I don't understand the context. Do you understand? How, uh, how do you deal with struggling laborers in our industry? Is he saying maybe like the lack of? Uh, yeah, I, that's what I'm gathering from that. Of course, I, I hear it from a commercial standpoint. Correct me if I'm wrong, Greg. Um, more or less getting getting the labor, at least labor that can – some people have to get labor just job site-wise 
just to get by just then. Yeah. Um, if that, I might be stretching this too much. Oh, here we go. Finding people that yeah. want to so work. We yeah, we got it right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I guess it sounds cliche, but it's the, it's almost like today's world. Like it's, it's hard. Good luck finding the old guy with the talent that's willing to still hit it hard, but not kill himself. Yeah. And then, but you need the you need the knowledge of the older guys in the yeah. industry, so yeah. you can't just like dismiss that. Exactly, yeah. So you've you've got to be able to. It's almost like you've got to hire two to make that Correct. one awesome team. And it's not helping that the industry is evolving so quickly. It is. I'm a huge fan of evolution. Yeah. So evolve fast you want, but what it's creating is this gap. Yeah. We got the young cats coming in, who know a portion but don't know the tricks of the old school guys and the old school guys know the tricks but they're not evolving with yeah. the technology because it's rapidly growing so fast yeah so i understand how difficult it probably is for the old school guys who've been doing it forever um seeing these new products more complicated technology and then i understand how difficult it could be for the younger guys who understand the technology but not the other side of it so yeah it's almost making it very difficult. And like you said, having two people make up that one position yeah. is kind of becoming a thing. I guess to answer your question, Greg, we're, we're still trying to figure it out completely. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have the answer. Yeah. I mean, uh, my biggest thing is if you, if you can take the time and put in the effort to, you're really spending, you're really pushing hard on the hiring, go to like trade schools, things like that. Those are guys that clearly want to get their hands dirty. They, right. they want to have a skilled trade. Because our trade, I mean, we're not in the easiest, cleanest trade by any no. means, any stretch of the imagination. Right. Um, but then again, like I said, I still revert back to I want the older mindset with the the body of the new of the young guy willing to work. Yeah. Um, because we see it every day. I'm sure everybody on here can agree that the young guys look at the old guys like, man, you're crazy for doing it that mm-hmm. way, dude. Things have evolved. Look at things have evolved. Look at it this way. Yeah. And then you just take a step back and you go, no, that dude does it like that for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, ah, not not completely, but with the schooling that you're able to get, if you can get somebody with some kind of electric back, electrical background, things like that. Yeah, I think want that's to money. do this. Yeah. All the people that I like pay attention to on the groups, Kyle Hart, yeah, electrical background. Yeah. Like that was his thing. He knows it really well, and. Um, I just, I, I think, I wish I would have understood it more yeah, uh, from the get-go. But I think electricals, I mean, like, l- let me ask you the question. Let's say you're a residential garage door guy and you want to expand and go into commercial and make more money, potentially. How do you, I mean, one of the first steps would be probably learn electrical, right? Yeah. I mean, one of. And uh, how do you go about that? How do you go that. about learning what you need to learn electrical? The easiest route would be to, if you're already with a company that has a commercial department, start asking to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not hard to go, uh, whether you have to put in three days of your vacation time, which as an employer, we can help out with that. I think most employers would, but you can go take a couple classes. It's it's it, it's actually very feasible to do. It's not that bad. Um, I've done it. Uh, you can just the simple stuff online stuff is not that bad and you'll learn more than you almost think you would. That's good. Um, the key is not to wait for the employer to teach you that. Yeah. Like be proactive. You've got to be proactive because we all, we all one big team that we want to be as strong as possible. But at the same time, individually, you need to look out for your future growth yourself. Also. Oh, Hey, (laughs) You can't just automatically assume, oh, my employer, my employer is going to send me and, and grow me as much as I want to grow. If you're not being proactive about it, you're going to miss out on a lot. Um, the classes I was able to go to, uh, majority of them put on by a previous employer, they were great and they're not bad to get be part of. Um, but, yeah, like you said, back to what you said at the beginning about starting in the electrical part, you can order a door, and it's most likely going to come with instructions on how to install it. A customer can call you out there and give you a $10,000 multi-panel, tell you something's wrong. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You, there's no instruction that I've found 
that's legit enough to tell you word for word how to read prints, how to how to read diagrams. Right. You need to go learn this. It, it's it's almost a must if you ask me. Yeah. Especially on the commercial side. I don't think having it on the residential side is a bad idea either. It's another skill to put in your bank, put on right. your resume. Um, hopefully, our no, none of our guys are getting skills to put it on their resume. But yeah, true. <laughs> um, and so Benjamin, great input by the way, Josh. Um, and I think with you being on the show and and having these answers, you're feeding a lot of rec- uh, the requests that we've had in the past, where people have wanted more commercial conversation. Yeah. Uh, because I'm so residential focused, <laughs> uh, I think that that's good. So uh, Benjamin. Perlick, uh, how do you feel about getting in uh, in like a licensing, like other trades like plumbing and electrical? Um, what do you think about garage doors being a licensed trade? I like it. I, really? I, I do like it. Um, especially when you when you're looking at liability reasons. Yeah. Um, because if it starts a little bit, it's gonna skyrocket. Because if the market starts to see that those restrictions are available and they're hiring people that aren't going that route. They're just going to go to the guy that is kill my parts business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's so, okay. Um, and as far as li- licensing, like we had, we used to have at a previous employer, we had a licensed electrician and that literally gained us business when we were able to say that because I can go, yeah, we're in the commercial door industry. Yeah, we can wire that panel, no problem. We can run your power from your main panel. Well, I might get an electrician to do it. Well, don't worry, we have one. So that would help. So I think... By the way, there's a company that I met at uh, the last Blue Book gathering. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they're everywhere. But this guy basically has uh, tons of electricians that you basically rent for a day or half a day. It's kind of like Uber for electricians. Yeah. Uh, for your job sites. So they're catering to like the construction industry. So yeah. if you need this or that or whatever, and you know, I hit them, I said, you know, what if we have like a customer who wants a wall mount motor, like an 8500, and uh, we need to put an outlet over there? And he was like, roughly 250. And I was like, that's not horrible. No. I've heard cheaper. Yeah. But for someone that's just on call, yeah. and if somebody wants to hire you as a turnkey, and you can just pick up the phone and look, hey, man, I need you to meet me at this house tomorrow between this time and this time. Do you have somebody available? Yes. Great. We need to have an outlet installed. We're going to be there uh, to put in a motor. So uh, I think I thought that was really cool. Rather than having somebody on payroll and, yeah. ha- you know, maybe yeah. not able to keep them busy 100% of the time. Yeah. Just thought that was interesting. And on, on Ben's question, too, <laughs> and I'm a few people on here probably know exactly what I'm talking about, but – uh as far as having different trades merge into under one roof, that's where I think you got to be careful. Because if you start crossing people or trying to use people, you're not the skill level, but more or less the, the, the completed work at the end of the tunnel is not going to be to its full potential. Yeah. I don't think you should merge them. But as far as the licensing, I kind of like it. I, I, and not to mention when it does come out, it's going to benefit the ones that go after it early because it's going to set you above the rest. So we got another. Um, we got uh, somebody on here asking about overhead and pricing. I assume he's talking about like expenses versus pricing. I don't know exactly what you want me to touch on there. It uh, looks like you made another comment. Tailgaters with minimum overhead being bashed for services. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming, and I don't like to assume, uh, but I'm assuming, and, and I think his name is Sambo. Um, Sambo is probably a small operation, maybe tailgater and he feels like he's being attacked sometimes because his prices are lower because he's got lower overhead and he's able to make maybe the same profit margin uh than some of the larger companies because he doesn't have the overhead um sambo i mean i I don't know what to say to that we price our products off of margin mostly um that can fluctuate depending on our our expenses um so I would say uh, as hard as it is, don't pay attention to the people bashing you 
do your thing. I would say don't underprice your products. I think you have to find a, a good balance between um, market acceptance versus profit margin. For example, I buy springs for roughly $10 a piece, like 207, so I'm under $10, right? So if I got uh, two springs uh, for $20 shipped, roughly, um, we charge $300 for a spring change. The margins are a little off, but we still have to pay for the lead to get the, you know, there's a lot of factors involved. We have to pay the labor, we have to pay the fuel, we have to pay the gas, uh, maintenance on the truck, like everything has to be considered when pricing certain things. Here, the market takes $300 for spring changes. That's what the market yields here. Like we probably even charge more because there's a lot of companies in the area that are charging more for residential spring changes. Um, we've chose to stay around that $300 mark and there's companies right down the road advertising $95 spring changes. Don't know what that is. Uh, don't know why. Uh, when it, for me, when we do, um, our pricing, I think we have to evaluate the services that we're discounting, right? Um, motors, I understand. Doors, I get it. Springs, you're not operating your door until you get it fixed. So they're going to hire somebody for that, right? Um, that's your moneymaker. That's your only guaranteed money, especially when the market drops. Uh, because people stop buying as many doors and they stop buying as many motors and they deal with you know, funky operation, but as soon as the spring breaks and they can't get to work, that's our moneymaker. Yeah. So I don't understand. Uh, the only thing for me is I don't, I don't understand um, why people uh, discount services so cheap that it's way below market value because they leave that, that profit on the table. So you don't want to underprice. You don't want to overprice. You want to be in a good range. Um, again, give props to, to, you know, there's some things that I agree and disagree with pricing from uh, Mr. Wadsworth, but super intelligent, advocate for our business, uh, uh, the garage door industry as a whole, and he gives some great insight on season one, uh, our first interview. So uh, I would challenge you guys to go listen to him as well and get, get some of his perspective because it's different than mine think on that also is that quote-unquote undercutting has a fine line also of course as a starting out you don't like he said you don't have the overhead so maybe you don't see that fit to charge the prices that the the companies with the overhead do charge but I mean I go back before before coming here I would do residential jobs for friends and family that's about as far as I would venture out right and it started to skyrocket and I was literally just the same, if not more expensive than everybody local. Right. So, but they'd be like, hey, man, you did my doors for me. My neighbor likes them. Can you do the same thing? Absolutely. Here's my price. It's more or less a take it or leave it. And I was finding customers that appreciated that. Yeah. Like, yeah, all right, do it. I'm like, really? Like, so it's not like you can't get the work right. by being the same market value as everybody else. Just right. because I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have a shop. I didn't have employees. Just doing it myself, doing yeah. it for the heck of it, because I like doing it. So you don't have to quote unquote undercut, but like you said, if the market is what the market is, why leave the profit on the table? I don't know. You, you don't need to. Yeah. You don't. You don't need to. You don't have to go to the. Every, but the th the great thing about being in a country like this is you can do whatever you want. Exactly. I don't <laughs> have to agree with it. Yeah. I can think you're an idiot. Yeah. But. Maybe you're killing it, and maybe I you're killing it. Maybe you see a different path, <laughs> right? To to having that Doesn't larger mean I'm company. Right. I mean, yeah, I totally understand that. I'm not the smartest person in the world. I get it. Yeah, but I mean, I also understand volume pricing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look at Amazon, right? I mean, nope. I don't think there's any garage door companies that are Amazon, but I definitely think that that's a model that was put out there that thrived on low pricing. Walmart, another one, right? Um, I mean, if price is what you're selling, that's how people are going to judge you. Yep. So, you know, when I see 
company names like affordable garage doors or um, uh, people have slogans like the cheapest doors around. And I mean, you're always going to set yourself up for negotiations and people who want the cheapest stuff, I think, because that's kind of the way you position yourself. And I've seen many companies across the country with the name affordable garage doors. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I don't think it's the best idea, but that's just my, you know, maybe they're killing it. Maybe that's the driving factor that makes their phone ring. I don't know. Um, But I, I like to deliver customer service and a quality experience because, and, and history shows that there's different types of customers, right? And some people appreciate an experience and some people could care less. Like they really don't care. Um, I try to target people who want an experience, who care, right? And for me, that's the same customer who I can classify as a champion for my company if we do a good job. And then champions have a tendency to tell other people. Exactly. But on the flip side of that, I've also seen like the, I'll call it the cheap customer, but, or the frugal customer being a little bit more probably politically correct. Um, I've seen the frugal customer love a garage door company and put point blank, did a great job and was the cheapest as a consumer. What else do you want? Yeah. Great job and the cheapest, right? Like, so the only question I have for that company is, are you cheating yourself? If you're doing yeah. a great job, could you charge a little more? Um, and I think sometimes we just get like in the zone and you have to step back and say, okay, what does the market yield? What 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 is the market charging? And can I get away with charging a little bit more? And eventually if your margins are low and your price is low, either your body's going to give out before you make any money, real money, um, or you're going to start hiring and growing because your prices are expanding yeah. your business and you have to change your model. So it's not sustainable, in, in my opinion, um, like the, the low price uh, type mentality, I, yeah. which is why I built my business on quality and delivering a great experience and, and charging a little extra for it. But we're still well, I mean, well within range of everybody in the area. Yeah. Um. So enough about pricing. Let's see what else we've got. Pricing overhead. Hope we address that question for you guys. Um, the laborers, we talked about that. Greg commented again, it's a huge problem across the board when it came to uh, talking about the employees, uh, finding hardworking people, uh, which this is not an easy job to be a technician or installer. So, uh, I don't think people are banging on our doors, but they make good money. So people are willing to work hard. They can do it, but not an easy job at all. Old timer knowledge is priceless. hundred percent. Absolutely. <laughs> um, let's see here. I think that's about all of our questions. That's why I try to have my mind on both sides. Uh, I like to think like the, the older generation, but then also think of how can I do it new? Yeah. Uh, what's the new way? Yeah. And of course, I mean, of course, in the position that we're in now is you got to think about it. What's the safer way? Right. So, yeah. Um, Brandon Prope said, stick to what you know. I think that was in. Um, as far as the, the different skill different trades. Different skill trades, yeah. yeah. Uh, Matt Weber, during a slowdown, do you adjust that pricing to remain competitive? That's a great question, Matt. Um and you and I have some phenomenal conversation. I really enjoy talking to you, especially on this type of thing. Uh, so my answer is sometimes I have. Um, I don't normally adjust my pricing, but what I'll do is I'll offer some sort of incentive. Um, so if you buy a new door at our regular price, we'll throw in a new LiftMaster 8355W or whatever. I don't like to discount. I just don't. I hate it. I, I hate discounting product. Shows your vulnerability vulnerability in some aspects. I think you just discount yourself. You discount the quality. Yeah. What what I don't mind doing is um like throwing things in occasionally. Yeah. Like 
I think customers love the fact that we'll give them a free uh, like keypad every once in a while, right? Um, if we're slow and keypad's going to be the make or break deal, I'll figure it out, right? Like, no big deal. We'll figure it out. Um, but I try to stay true to our pricing as much as possible. And I feel like that's valuable, um, not just trying to set the expectations for your team, right? Because I think it, if I think it's more valuable for your team than it is for your customers and your bottom line, um, holding true to your pricing and then occasionally offering incentives. Um, because if you start discounting stuff, then, then your team doesn't know, in my opinion, what can I discount to or what can I not? And what are the triggers that I'm looking for in order to discount versus not? Because if I'm a homeowner, I'm going to ask the question, is this the best you can do? I'm getting multiple quotes. This is the smartest thing you can say. Yep. And most companies are going to be like, no, I can drop the price. Yep. You know exactly. what I'm saying? And so for me, I want to say, you know, this is my price. However, we've got like a little deal we'll do if, if, if you want, if you're willing to put a sign in your yard, I can give you a small discount. And so maybe that's $25, but sometimes people just want to feel like they won and $25 is a big deal. And so for us, it's a big deal because, you know, we're trying to price our doors competitively and around here, they're not as uh, valued uh, in my opinion. And so um, selling new doors is, is very aggressive um, with our competitors. And so uh, we can't get the margin that we used to get. Um, so, and that's okay. Uh, I mean, you adjust, you, you, uh, you do your job and if you do it well and follow the processes and, and uh, I think I was about to say this and Chris basically said it for me, build value in your product and your company. Instead of discounts, throw in high cycle rollers or upgraded springs, minimum cost to the better value to the, for the customer. hundred percent. Like we actually just had that conversation last we week. Yeah. Yep. And, and value is the key to everything. In my opinion, um, if you, if you show value, you show that you care and, um, you do a good job with it. I think it pays off. So thanks Chris for the comment. Uh, definitely added to the conversation there. I appreciate that. So we're rolling in on almost an hour. So we're going to go ahead and shut this down. You got any comments or anything that you want to add? No, I think this is a good one. I appreciate all the feedback. Yeah, so if you guys have any questions, um, you guys can hit us up through the Facebook uh, Torsion Talk podcast. Uh, we always respond to those if we get them. Um, so uh, anything you want to add, Adrian? Adrian's our sound guy. You guys can't see him anymore because he's in the corner. We put him in the corner. There he is. <laughs> Uh, booth 3355, I think it is. We're going to be at IDA Expo. Please stop by, check us out. Uh, we're going to be having interviews. We're going to post a link soon on our Torsion Talk podcast Facebook page where you can sign up to uh, come on and I'll interview you and we'll get to know you a little bit. Anyway, I just want to say thank you for everyone's support. Uh, it really matters a lot. And um, all you guys listening and, and asking questions and engaging with us. I just want to let you guys know that uh, this is why we do it. And the messages that I get on my personal and through Torsion Talk podcast, uh, thanking me for taking the time to do this, uh, that it's helped them in certain aspects. Uh, that's why I do it. So I really enjoy this. I want to let you guys know that we appreciate you and everything you do to support the podcast. And uh, if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. And yeah, if you think of any topics. Tell Topics us, are tell, great. Like even during the week, like post it on the Torsion Talk page, deplorables. Yeah. Anything to, to give a shout out to our industry. I think we'll do it. For sure. Um, shout out to uh, DGM, Door Guy Mafia. He, he's real big on that. I love that guy. I love him. He, he's so awesome. He's all about. Uh, Social media icon, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so pumped. So I, I think he's supposed to be coming to uh, Salt Lake. So uh, I'm going to get to meet him. I know. Nice. I, I was pushing him to do it. And uh, at first, I think he said no, but then I, I think he hit me up and told me that he's planning on coming. So nice, pretty excited about that. If we could get, if we can smuggle Kyle Hart in, I told them <laughs> I want to have like a tech off. Does oh, that yeah. sound horrible? 
<laughs> so I want to have like, all right, we're going to build this super complicated issue. Yeah. Whoever figures it out and fixes it first <laughs> wins. And yeah. you have like five or six different things. I was part of, uh, when I worked in technology, we sold to, um, uh, part of one of the, our legs sold to multifamily housing and the Atlanta door association. I think it was Atlanta door association. They did that with maintenance guys. They had a maintenance nice. guy obstacle course. Nice. It was so cool. Like a door was the hinges were messed up on a door or something. And they had to go over there and fix the, the hinge. And then they had to go to the next station and do something else. And, and then once they're done, they had to go uh, hit the buzzer or whatever, right? And so the one that did it the fastest won tech of the year or something like that. Nice. I just thought that was super cool. So I, I think it would be neat if we had uh, something similar to that. I thought that would be cool. Anyway, uh, sorry, rambling again. Thank you guys so much for contributing and being part of the show. Uh, we love you guys. Catch us next. Oh, we're not going to do a podcast on Tuesday while we're at the IDA Expo. Um because we don't start recording until Wednesday. So we will not have a show next week. We will be at IDA. We're going to try to get you some content. It may not be a show, but then the next Tuesday, we will cut that up from IDA and push it out for you guys. If you have any questions, topics, like Josh said, hit us up and let us know. Have a wonderful week. See you guys.